Welcome to The Giving Room with Dave and David, where we encourage remarkable generosity, from amazing stories to easy-to-understand discussions about tools for giving that may just be right for you. Hey, welcome to The Giving Room. I'm Dave. And I'm David. And today we'll be dealing with what, we call, what we're calling a tale of two fields. It's going to be a story of uh, of trust, of money, of generosity, and 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 really dealing with uh, a Bible story from Acts 4 and 5. Yeah, so what it is, it's true. These are going to be Bible stories. Um both meant to be instructive to us. One is um, encouraging and one is cautionary, right? So it's going to yeah. be a little bit of uh, both of those things. <laughs> so pull up a chair and we're going to dive in. David, yeah, do you well, want to start with the yeah, yeah, chapter yeah, we're four? Gonna, we're we're going to dive into this. This is Acts 4 and 5, um, the end of Acts chapter 4 and the beginning of Acts chapter 5. And again, one of the things we wanted to do in the giving room is, is actually always point back to scripture. And sometimes we're going to use stories from scripture as well. So uh, this is just one of those times we're going to, we're going to dig in um, this. Uh, the point of this, I'm going to read a slightly longer passage, but the points in the last verse, and it may be a verse if you're like me that you just kind of skipped over for a lot of time. So we're going to kind of point it out, but this is a passage it's acts four and it's verses 32 to 37. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. I'm just stop right here. This is just an early church time, right? So this is the early church. This is the start of the church in Acts. Is what Acts is all about, the history of the early church. And we basically find that all of the folks who were part of this movement were holding things loosely, right? Like yeah. they were like actually holding things in common. So it was less about ownership and more about how do we leverage all the things that we have to help everybody that's, that's part of this movement. Uh, but let's just keep going here. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. So again, kind of a wild story, right? So people are actually selling land and houses and bringing that money um, back to the to the new church, right? To the mm-hmm. apostles, yeah. And then then they're meeting needs. And then here's the story, the the one verse story that I I hope people hear. So thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we know that lots of people were doing this. And then we have this particular story that tells us that Barnabas did this. And we know Mm -hmm. that Barnabas is actually tied to Paul too, right? Right. Actually accompanied him on some missionary journeys. And there's thoughts that he was probably, you know, potentially a patron of a lot of that work. So in addition to being involved in it, he was funding that. And it, and we see here in the early church context, he's, he's doing just that. He actually took a field, sold it, brought the money back. Um, I, I, I mean, I think it's compelling. There's something for us to learn in the early church context. Uh, this not a needy person among them. Um, it's hard to even understand, I think in the, in the modern church, but how do we do that? And like, how do we, mm-hmm. you know, meet people's needs and how do we determine what a need is, you know? Right. And then how do we determine personal responsibility and how we take other principles from different places and apply it here. Um, but, you know, for us to, to see that, you know, Barnabas did this, he actually gave 
a field. Um, and then all of those proceeds were used to meet the needs of others. Right. And we see this uh, actually quite a bit throughout the early church era. You know, there is, there is some disagreement over generosity and money and the distribution. That's why our, like kind of the, kind of the first deacon idea came from, you know, with Stephen. And, um, and so then you see this here again, they're working together to help the greater, the church as a whole be okay. And Barnabas, again, they, they literally named him son of encouragement. That's what Barnabas means. Uh, they renamed him because of how his generosity was encouraging people and his character and, and all of that kind of comes through in here and, and how it makes a difference. And one of the things I think it's important to notice here uh, as well is they keep talking about how the church is rapidly growing in the context of this generosity, uh, which I think th- th- there's so much compelling here that people wanted to be part of this movement. Uh, and, and again, some of that, a lot of, I think it, you have to assume that the general generosity and sharing amongst the believers led many to accept Christ in this early stage. Yeah. Well, th- this is a, a hallmark and a thing that was definitely distinctive, uh, not just in that period, but today. Right. So mm-hmm. folks are actually, you know, we have verses that tell us that there's like literally thousands being added. You know, this was, this movement was actually called the way, right? Like it's right. the way. So this, the early church thousands and thousands a month being added. And I think one of the things, um, so we obviously have this, we even talked about it here where it's the proof of the resurrection that was known to so many. So it's Mm -hmm. like these people saw that there, you know, they knew there was an empty tomb, right? So they knew that, uh, but then it also changed their behavior. Um, and I think that, that eyewitness testimony to the resurrection coupled with, wow, these people live differently. They're actually taking care of each other and there's not need among them. Um, That's a super attractive thing and probably something we could learn a little bit from, I would think um, in our own context today. And and so this is kind of that, as we mentioned, a tale of two fields, right? This is the first field. And what's what's interesting because it's chapter four and then chapter five, but you know, the chapters came later when this was written, this was one continuous <laughs> right. story. And it's really easy to kind of separate these two things apart. You have, and, and so I'm going to dive into chapter five, kind of one through 11, and we're going to talk about field number two. two. Um, now a man named Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira also sold a piece of property. So just like Barnabas, they're out there, they're doing their thing. Yeah. And everybody else and with his wife's, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward. They wrapped up his body, carried him out and buried him. Three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Wow. I mean, mean, we've talked about this This is like one of the hardest stories in the Bible, right? It seems hard. It seems harsh, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, this, this penalty, uh, was actually their immediate death. And, uh, and, and even this, the, (laughs) 
you know, the, she walks in not knowing that her husband's actually already dead and buried. Right. And then, right. and then ends right. up joining him. Um, so admittedly a hard thing, right. This is sort of like a hard mercy thing. Um, but I mean, do you think, is it because, um, you know, what, what, what was the judgment for? Was it because they didn't give all of the money or no, I mean, it would seem as though, I mean, uh, you know, Peter says here, he's like, Hey, you know, it already belonged to you. Like you didn't even have to do this. You know, this was your field. This was your money after you sold the field. Why are you lying to us? So the, the issue here was that it was, I don't even think it was that they kept some of the money back. It would appear as though they sold the field. They gave them some of the money and told them it was all, all of the, the money. money. Right. Right. Yeah. Which they didn't even have to do. I think that's Peter's point. It's like, this was, it was yours. You didn't have to do it all, but you didn't have to act like you were giving the whole thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I think it's like, let's put ourselves in their shoes. Right. Um, so you have all these people, they're all doing it and they're like, yeah, this would be cool. Let's go ahead and sell this too. And we'll help meet these needs. So again, this, this property and things is, is really less about fueling ministry in this context and more about just meeting the needs of the community. That's what Mm -hmm. this store, these, all of these stories are about. Um, and you have to think, okay, they're so they're doing it. They're following this example of other people, but at the same time, even though they're trying to meet the needs of others, they're worried that their own needs aren't going to be met. Right. So it's like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to tell people that we just sold the whole thing. So there's maybe, maybe some pride there. Yeah. Again, we don't know. It doesn't tell us, but maybe just trying to think like, how would we mm-hmm. act? We'd probably act the same way. Yes, this is all of it really. And at the <laughs> same time, we're like, you know, kind of terrified that our own needs won't be met. So we, and, and you, I mean, again, you, you, we don't know. Right. Um, I, I just think about myself in those shoes, right? Is it, is this a peer pressure situation? I don't really want to sell the field, but everyone else is doing it. I'm not sure. Uh, well, uh, and then there's that, I want to look good kind of feel while everyone else is doing it. And, and if your motivation starts in the wrong place, it's, it's really easy. You know, I, I, I talk to my kids about this all the time. Once you have that first lie, it's really easy to spiral. When, when you start in the wrong place, it's really easy to continue getting into worse places. Uh, and again, I don't, we don't know, but I, I feel like it'd be uh, pretty, pretty easy to do that and to go there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You're talking about how you talk to their kids. We've actually talked in our family, how, you know, there's so many mentions that our walk with Christ is like a walk on a path. Mm-hmm. And it's when we take those steps off the path, you know, and it's like, we're, well, you know, I'm still, you know, maybe I have one foot on the path and I have one foot off, but before you know it, you're like really, really, really off the path. Right. And it, <laughs> right. it was just that one step. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. There's things we can learn even from the beginning. Cause again, it wasn't even just Barnabas. It wasn't just in and Sapphire. It looked like there was a lot of folks doing this. Um, and I'm, and I alluded to that holding loosely, which really comes back to uh, the principle that like the stuff we have, resources, even our time, um, assets, income mm-hmm. aren't ours. They actually belong to somebody else. Right. But, and the, and the person they belong to is actually God. So we don't have anything in our hand that wasn't put there, you know, by him, mm-hmm. um, even if we say, well, no, no, you know, well, this is, you know, it's my business or it's my job. And that's why I got it there. Well, the skills came from, you know, him and, right. you know, not from you. And it really still is all his anyway, even from just an ownership perspective. So absolutely. I mean, everything belongs to him. And I, I, w- I was thinking about that. Um, I, I, I always dive right back to, um, I went too far uh, to Ephesians two. 
And, you know, when you go that to that eight through 10 in that passage, it talks about it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. And then in verse 10, it says, and, and this is one I feel like gets, gets buried behind that is for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance for us to do. And I know for me, when I was, I, I had kind of a crisis in my faith kind of coming out of high school. And it was that verse that, that gutted me because it was the realization everything I am, I'm just God's workmanship. I'm literally, he's, he built me. He designed me. He gives me breath to breathe every day, every skill, every ability, my, my brain, my ability to do whatever. Well, it's, it's, I'm his work. Yeah. If, if he and, owns you, which we, right, right. is what we're saying, then he yeah. also owns everything that, that, that you know, that everything you I do, my ability to make money, my ability to give the, all of those things. It's, it's, if I'm just his creation, his craft, his workmanship, you know, it, it all comes back down to him. And I, and I think that's where it's so hard, I think to, to live that way, obviously, but it, it does affect the way you think about the way you work, the money you earn, all of that comes back to the gifts and abilities that he's given you. Yeah. Well, we, and I know we've said before on this podcast that sometimes when there's something in your, we'll, we'll just keep using this metaphor in your hand, right? So it yeah. could be in your brokerage account. It could be in your bank account. It could be in your shed. <laughs> it could yeah, be right, your house, right. like something that's in your hand, whatever you like have a control over. Um, a lot of times if it's in your hand and it's not something you're using right this second and you know somebody that needs it, there's a, there's a chance you at least need to consider, was that put in my hand for this other person? And mm-hmm. I think that's the spirit of what you see happening in Acts. So everybody's yeah. just kind of holding these things you know, for everyone's benefit. And it's not, a, I mean, we'll have to have an episode on this. This isn't like a socialist thing, right? This is actually a gospel thing. So right. this is like, we're acknowledging that this isn't ours, not the States. It's not the churches. It's just like the capital C church, all of us together holding this. Mm-hmm. And then we're leveraging things to meet needs that, that we know. Um, and I think one of the things that's really great, um, you know, so one person can meet somebody's needs. We've had guests on before that talked about people doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic and remarkable. But in this context, when when you do have this pooling in the church context, then it's not it's it's not as hard to do that. Yeah. Um, I think I've shared with you before. There's a a church in Atlanta I know, and they 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 will come alongside folks who have need, the like legitimate need, like you know the heat's getting ready to get turned off, right, and it's right. you know winter, or you know there's kids and there's no food, and they'll and they'll they'll meet that immediate need. But at the same time, they want to walk with that person, understand how they got there, and help them understand how they can get out of there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll basically walk with that that person or family, as long as they will walk with them. Yeah. So they won't keep meeting a need that enables something that could be a problem. Right. You know, and it may be that, you know, they'll help them get into some sort of a job skill thing or they'll help them get a job or, you know, they'll help them go through like a financial peace yeah. university or whatever it is <laughs> to get them to the place where they can actually stand on their own. Well, we, we've talked about this a lot. And then that is the, again, that intentionality where you give your money, how you give your money, uh, is all really important. And, and so as you talk about that church, that's meeting people's needs, but there, it does come with strings attached. And because the, the line between helping and enabling can is very, is, is can be very blurry and yeah. you don't want to, well, I'm just going to pay your bills. And then they're in debt in a few months. You want to help them grow out of the problem, help them to, to, Again, you need to help them stay to stay healthy, to stay safe. You you want to do that, but you also want to make sure you're helping them grow, and and so that they don't end up in the same yeah, place. We need again. to make sure that it's not repeated. Correct. Yeah. Well, and then to go back to the second story, the Ananias and Sapphira, you know, our sort of hard, the hard story. You know, in in the end, there's probably a trust thing. I think I actually mm-hmm. had seen um, this may be a book from a long time ago. Uh, one of 
Andy Stanley's books, he actually talks about, you know, money is always about trust. You know? right. uh, and, and it is, I think that's the the case. And I, and I think what we're get, we're, what we're seeing again, it doesn't spell it out, but just again, trying to step into their shoes. I think what we're seeing with Ananias and Sapphira is a lack of that trust. So even right. though they're engaged in this, um, opportunity to meet the needs of others. They're worried that their own needs won't be met or, and this is maybe where I would be. They're worried that their needs wouldn't be met in the level that they're accustomed, <laughs> you, right. know, you know? So yeah. it's like, well, we're going to keep this a little bit back because, you know, we have to have a nicer chariot or I, whatever, you know, <laughs> or we want to make sure we, we can improve the other house. Cause well, we just sold this field. It's I, funny in, it in the context of today where every person at least should be saving for their friend for a one K for the retirement, like, you know right I mean? And that's, we're all doing this. We're all saving money for the future. And, uh, in, in today's context, just kind of, but the, the difference too, though, is we're not going to the church saying, Hey, we're giving you everything we have. And, lying about my 401k. I'm being open about that, but also hoping, and this comes back to the planned giving uh, as we, as we talked about it in an earlier episode and my 401k, I can plan to give that, uh, you know, later on, I, you know, I'm going to give at some point you can, you can give that. And of course, in, in this context, you can't sell the field after you die. I'm assuming, um, you know, in, I don't know what the, what acts based financial sector looks like back then, but there are ways for you again, to be intentional, even upon whether that's upon death or in, in, in advance of death, you can give property yeah. today. Well, right. But that's a good tease for this. Cause we'll, yeah. we'll do a tools for giving episode that actually talks about real estate, um, mm-hmm. in, you know, in our context today. So, so here you actually have them selling the land and giving the proceeds. Uh, and we actually wouldn't advise that, you know, yeah. in our sort of modern age where we are now, we, you know, from a tax benefit perspective, you'd actually give the land right to a charity. Right. Um, and you can do that today. And we can actually, just like they did, we can give it today, but we wouldn't sell it ourselves and get the money. We'd actually transfer the title of the deed right. to, you know, <laughs> so again, you know, a, a little geeky, but yeah, that we do that same thing. Or as you said, through your you know, through your, through your estate, whether it's your will or trust, you can actually mm-hmm. give it later. Uh, and there's other things we'll talk about too, with life estates and things. So I think the idea of giving land obviously isn't new. <laughs> so this right. was happening in the, <laughs> the, the, the earliest uh, months and years of the early church. People are actually using land as a, as a way to, to meet needs mm-hmm. uh, in a terrible context. And, and that's obviously something that, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about again, there'll be a tools for giving on yep. gifts of real estate and all the things related to that. Um, with vacation homes and residents and commercial property. So that's, sure. that's the tease. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> to the extent you want to really look forward to that or even can uh, we'll, we'll talk we'll about it someday. But, but again, thanks for hanging out with us in the giving room today. Just as we go through this kind of that, that core reminder, right. Is we have resources that we can use to be generous, but there is definitely a trust factor when you give, just be honest with what you're doing. You know, that's, <laughs> you don't want to lie to God. That's not a thing you want to do. And God takes it very seriously how we communicate our giving, what our motivations. He talks about how he loves a cheerful giver, not a, you know, what Ananias and Sapphira did here was not cheerful giving. Um, and so we want to make sure we think through that as we uh, as we go forward in our generosity. Again, it comes back to intentionality and planning. So again, appreciate you being here with us. Uh, make sure you listen and, and follow wherever you're listening. And again, if you have any questions or want to learn more about this, you can go to giving roompodcast.com to to learn more about what we're doing here. So thank you so much. The Giving Room Podcast is brought to you by Giving Design LLC, where we help ministries and their donors utilize planned giving to change the world. 
Go to givingdesign.com to learn more. As always, a huge thank you to River Radio Ministries for sponsoring and producing this podcast. Go to riverradio.com to listen or learn more.